Paul Gansel is a software developer at Google, a core Python dev, and an open source maintainer for many projects. And he has some thoughts about PyTest's Xvale. He was an early skeptic of using Xvale and now is a proponent of the feature. In this episode, we talk about some open source workflows that are possible because of Xvale. Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring this episode. PyCharm saves me time. Error highlighting lets me know as soon as I type a mistake. Code completion and parameter hint pop-ups save me from having to look stuff up. The Git integration makes all of my Git workflows super easy. And then you get a whole bunch of bonus features like the database front end that are super cool. And a super fast debugger. I wonder how PyCharm will save you time. Find out yourself at testandcode.com slash PyCharm. Welcome to Testing Code. Paul Gansel uh, contacted me and said he wanted to talk about Xfail, and I really like talking about PyTest, so I'm up for it. So, Paul, uh, people don't remember who you are. I'm pretty sure you've been on the podcast before, right? Uh, yeah, I was once, uh, I think it was like 16, 18 months ago, something like that. I was talking about subtests, I think. I think. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. And that was my last blog post before like last month or something. It was up for like 18 months. Was that I, I wrote a blog post about that and then just completely stopped blogging for a super long time. So why did you feel the need to blog about XFail? Uh, I think actually because I sort of half promised you that I would talk about XFail uh, on a uh, on a future episode of Testing Code like a long time ago. Um, and then I felt really bad about not doing it. And I've noticed that you've been uh, doing a couple of episodes about XFail. And I was like, okay, I should, I should probably do this. It'll be thematically uh, appropriate with what you've uh, done recently. Um, and uh, just in general, I, I guess I've been feeling a bit more that like... Uh, creative urge to like write something down um yeah uh yeah so, like so do you use xfail regularly um yeah i i sort of I, I try and make it a part of my development workflow um lately i've been doing a lot more work stuff and a lot less open source uh and when i do do open source it's often in um in c python where it's a lot harder to um to 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 use Xfail, um, but when I when I have the chance, like when I'm working on Date Util or any of my own personal projects, uh, something that uses PyTest, uh, I, I, I definitely like the to use Xfail. Um, um, you know, I think I, I, there's another blog post coming out later about how I integrate it into my personal workflow. Um, but in general, I have a, a policy where. So originally, I did. Uh, let me let me back up a second. Originally. Um, when I, um, when I first heard about Xfail, I was like, what is this? Why would I use it? It seems really stupid because, you know, it, it's just this thing where you will put in a broken test and you'll mark it as Xfail, but you won't mark it as skip, right? You're saying this test is going to fail. And I was like, why is this different than skip? And also why would I want to check in broken tests, right? People were come. People came to me and they offered. They're like, "Oh, do you want me to add an X failing test for this um, for this issue that I raised?" And I was like, "Well, why don't we just add the test when we fix the issue? Um, you know, what what is what what purpose is it serving?" Um, yeah. 
but I was actually convinced by one of my fellow maintainers, Brock Mendel, um, that it would, uh, that it actually makes sense to use XFail. Um, so what I didn't, I guess I didn't really understand that the difference between XFail and skip is that XFail actually runs the test and then it sort of checks whether or not the test failed and skip just makes it so you don't run the test at all. Um, and the main reason why you would want these two things to be different um, is that when you're running the test and checking that it fails, you can actually enforce that it fails so that you know that the uh, that the test is, is well, you can know two things about it. What, one, you can know the test is working in a limited sense, right? So you, you know that bef- you haven't fixed the, the, um, the issue and the test is failing. So when you fix the issue and get rid of the X fail, you, you do know that the test works because you didn't change it. It used to fail and now it succeeds. Um, the other thing you can know is whether you fix the test by accident or even at all, right? So um, generally what, by default, what happens is that if the test fails, um, it, it's marked as X fail. And if it passes, it's marked as X pass. I always run my test suites with strict on. So yeah. um, that basically says that if a test fails to fail, then that's a failure. So the test suite fails. Um, and that way. Yeah. And that, so that's confusing to some people. And, um, and I've had to explain it to a lot of people, uh, in, especially internally. And I, I explain it that you, you don't have to be afraid of the test suite failing. The test, any failure is, is just a message to us that we need to pay attention to something. So in the case where we get a X pass and that fails the test suite, that's a good thing because it tells us that maybe we can, maybe this thing is fixed and we can take the X, X fail out of the code. So, yeah, I mean, I think people don't like the idea of X fail, um, being strict because they're like, well, if I fix a bug, I don't want my CI to break because the, te- the, 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 um, the library got better or the application got better. Um, but I think that is, is, uh, is based in the idea that it's like every time your test suite fails, that's like a lot of work, right? You have to, you know, fix something in the configuration or hunt down a bug or, you know, it adds all this latency or it, 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 it's just something else to do. But in the case of XFail, what it's really saying is like, or, or the only thing you really have to do is remove the XFail decorator and then it'll start working again. So, you know, it's not like it's going to, um, you know, it's going to kill your velocity or anything because you're going to have to uh, fix all these fiddly things with the test suite. You know, I I think we all uh, have been in that sort of situation where you have a bunch of fragile tests and they keep breaking and you're like, I'm just like spending all my time maintaining these tests. Uh, But with the case of XFail, it's like I've already written regression tests for this bug. And if you accidentally fix the bug or even if you fix it on purpose, right? Like the test suite should start failing. And that's like, oh, check it out. Here are the tests that passed. And then you just remove that XFail decorator. That's all you have to do. And your regression test is in place. Like it, it, it's quite nice that someone else has written your test for you. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it, uh, if if all of your tests are passing now, you can also, you can pass in like run XFail and it just ignores all those decorators if you wanted to. Um like for instance, I I do that with uh, some of our, um, we've got like two cadences of test suite. We get the same code, but 
um, with nightly our nightly tests, I run it with XFail with strict. Um, and then, uh, we're basically, that's our continuous sort of testing. And then, um, and then when we're, then another one, that's a slower cadence where we're purposely checking every specific version that we've, we've changed a feature or we've changed something specifically. We know a new thing is in place. Um, on those, I want to know absolutely everything. So we just, uh, we use run X fail and we just turn all of those X fails off. Um, because, uh, uh, yeah, because there's times where you really do want to know. I mean, you can find out anyway. Like, even if uh, if you're, the X fails are reported, but um, one of the issues that comes up and uh, the way reason why I fiddle with this a bit is a lot of CI tools have no idea what these mean. X fail and X pass just get translated into something. Uh, they either get translated into a failure or a pass or a skip. Uh, do you have any issues with that or with working with CI? Uh, not really, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also just using, <clears throat> um, like I'm just using like PyTest or something. So it's, it's not that big of a problem. Um, and I, the way I've used XFail, it, it's mostly like, since I always run it in strict mode, um, I don't really need to know the difference between uh, xfail and skip and xpass and a failure, because um, if it if it's xfailed or if it's skipped, I don't really care. Like um, because in both cases, it's like either it's skipped and that hopefully means like all right, I I ran. I, I, this test wasn't even supposed to pass in the first place, right? It's like, yeah. uh, this is a test, but it's a test for something that doesn't ap- apply in this particular condition, right? It's a test that only is run on windows or it's only run in a certain time zone or something like that. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, if it's X fail, it's like, this should be passing. So I'm going to run it anyway, but, um, it doesn't pass because there's something wrong with the library and I want to fix it from the yeah. point of view of someone who's like of, of the version of me who doesn't care about that test. who's just running the entire test suite. I don't may, I don't need to make a distinction between those two ca- uh, te- yeah. cases, right? It's only when I'm adding the test in the first place that I want to make that distinction or when something about that changes, right? Like when I fix the bug, I want to be notified immediately. So for me, if it's like a failure, then it's like, oh, something failed. And then I'll just look and see what it was. And it's because this thing X passed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that you could make affirmative asser- assertions about, uh, you, like if you don't actually care about the difference between X fail uh, or X pass and a failure, you could make affirmative assertions about failures in the code itself by being like with pytest.raises, whatever, assertion error, value error, something like that, and then put your test in that block. Um, but I do think the downside to that is uh, is that you actually have to muck around with the test itself rather than removing just the decorator, which changes how it, the result is interpreted. Yeah, and I don't really like using the... the and then the, you can call X fail within the code also, but it behaves differently. So people should watch out for that. Um, I'm kind of annoyed with that. So uh, the decorator runs everything. Um, but if you call like PyTest X fail from a test, it uh, if it fails, it stops there. It's like an assert. It doesn't continue with the test. And that's, that's annoying to me. <laughs> I wish it didn't do that. Um, 
So I, I, I would recommend people just forget that you can call XFail from within a test. Uh, yeah, I think there, the only time that I've tried to use XFail within a test, I do remember it being mildly irritating, um, but it was, it's only, so the, the, the one place where I've had trouble introducing XFail is in, in the setup tools um, test suite, where um, essentially, I think they've marked a bunch of stuff as XFail or skip. It's it's not consistently used, whether it's like this is a bug that we have tests for, um, you know, that, that aren't working, um, or whether it's like this is, uh, you know, this this doesn't work in on this particular platform. Um, but I tried to move it over to everything XFail is strict and then like just go through and, and try and update whatever I find um, to be XFail. Uh, but the problem is set of tools has this like has this very large matrix of uh of of supported platforms uh and combinations of supported platforms and some of the bugs only are exhibited in like very weird niche edge cases uh that's really hard to express as a like a single conditional in yeah. um in like the xfail decorator so what ends up happening is you end up getting a lot of X passes on like, you know, windows with this version of MSVC or MSCV or whatever it's called. Um, but not with this other version. Um, and then it just ends up being like, or you have something where the bug is just, it's flaky, you know, it works sometimes and other times it doesn't work. So that's one case where it's really hard to make X fail strict only. I could just make those, those tests marked explicitly as, uh, strict equals false and make the default strict equals true. Um, but I, I just remember it being uh, sort of pervasive and related. The reason I, I brought this up uh, in relation to calling XFail inside of the test is that uh, a similar place that I've seen is when I'm using hypothesis tests, right? And I don't, I have a whole bunch of cases that pass and then a couple of bugs that show up only in certain parts of the the test input space, um, those are not, you want to sort of conditionally X fail based on, you know, okay, uh, say I have this function and it works well for everything that's a positive number and zero, but if it's a negative number, uh, I've got a bug in it and I'm not ready to fix the bug right now. Um, you know, so then I can either use hypothesis.assume Right, like I can call the assume function and then just have hypothesis never generate those uh, those inputs, or 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 just have hypothesis skip those uh, those assumptions, uh, or, or or rather those inputs. But that uh, is sort of like skipping the test instead of using right. xfail on it. So instead, I'll, I'll sort of say conditionally, like, all right, if hypothesis gave me this thing, xfail it. Um, and I don't think hypothesis deals with that super well. Um, or and I, I think some I've seen some of the problems you've seen where like it stops running the test or or whatever. Um, I, I don't remember the exact um, problems with it. I think it might be better than the alternatives, uh, but it's like uh, it, it could use a little bit of love. And hopefully, this podcast and the blog posts will convince people to use XFail enough that uh, that it will have a higher profile in both Hypothesis and PyTest. Yeah, I hope so. I think I hope people will use it a lot. Um, the uh, but I, I do find that using XFail and 
um, at first I just didn't, I didn't, I like to use it for my own personal stuff, but uh, for group projects, it was just more work than it was worth to explain it to everybody. Um, um, and also uh, I try, you know, I try not to put it on. I personally don't try, try not to put it on things that are intended to be fixed soon uh, because it's okay just to see those failures until we fix the bug. So knowing when to, to mark something as X fail is kind of a project uh, per project sort of thing that you need to know. I definitely understand like an open source project where you don't want to fail the test suite, but you'd like to have the test in place. So that makes sense to leave some X fails there um, because somebody else can work on it and try to fix those. And it's nice to have the test already there instead of having to, where else would you put it? If you didn't, if you didn't put it in there in the suite and mark it as X fail, where would you put it? You'd have to, you know, put it on a branch or something, I guess. I mean, in the uh, past, what I, what I was doing before was that people would raise an issue in the issue tracker. And then I would say, uh, they would either have a nice minimal reproducer or I would, uh, minimize whatever, you know, I, I would reproduce the, 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 um, uh, the behavior. And then I would minimize that to a very small reproducer and be like, okay, if this chunk of code were to pass, then, you know, then that would be, uh, you know, then, then that would be a fix for the bug, right? Like, like here's a minimal reproducer, right? And theoretically what you could do is you just, you know, copy and paste that into the test suite, add an assertion in it, and then, um, and then that's your test. So, uh, now I think what I'll do is I, I'll usually offer to the person and say, if you would like to add an X failing test to the test suite, uh, please do, you know, because I, I'm always looking for ways to recognize people who contribute good issues. Um, yeah. you know, because I think people see, you know, oh, I, I made a pull request and it got merged as like, I contributed to the library. Whereas I told someone about a problem is not seen as a contribution in the same way that a pull request is because it doesn't involve writing code. Um, you know, but writing knowing, a, yeah, writing an X failing test is a uh, writing code. Yeah, so. exactly. You know, so like when I say like, that's, that's why I like to say like, okay, you know, you don't need to make an X failing test from my point of view, you've still made a valuable contribution to this library yeah. or this program um, by just, you know, giving me a good bug report, making it possible for me to reproduce it, uh, creating a public artifact that people can find to know, oh, okay, this is or is not the um, intended uh, behavior of the library. All of those things are very valuable to me. But if you want to see your name on a commit um, or you just don't mind and you like to be, uh, you know, helpful, uh, saying, okay, well, why don't you take your minimal reproducer, throw it in the test suite. I I am acknowledging as the maintainer that this is a bug that we want to fix. So if you add the test and you mark it as xfail, we'll merge it. And then, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, either it'll get fixed by, you know, on purpose and someone will remove that xfail decorator or it'll get fixed accidentally. And then we will have a regression test in place immediately, uh, you know, because it, it this bug doesn't exist anymore after a refactored X, Y, and Z. So you brought up a uh, set of tools and a couple other projects. How many open source projects do you work on or do you keep track? I mean, on average, it's like closer to zero these days because I have uh, young children and, uh, and <laughs> I, I don't have uh, very much time to, to work on these things. Um, but 
I, you know, I think I, I used to be very active maintaining setup tools and date util. Um, and I'm still burst mode active in, uh, maintaining, um, uh, C Python as a, as a core dev, mainly working on daytime and, uh, and zone info. Um, and then there's, there's a, a handful of other projects that I either have a commit bit or, um, uh, you know, from some small amount of work that I did, uh, at some point, um, or I just tend, you know, know the code base enough that I can make a couple pull requests and the maintainers know me well enough that they're, they're going to, uh, you know, look at my, um, you know, th that we have, uh, a rapport enough that, that I can, I can get things merged probably easier than your random, uh, person off the street, uh, which is maybe not fair, but, uh, maintainer time is limited and it's always easier to be like, oh, this guy's made 10, uh, really high quality pull requests. Uh, I'll review his pull request because it's probably not some, you know, it's probably not going to be a ton of work to get it merged. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I, I, I have a fairly, uh, um, decent track record of having defect reports get fixed <laughs> or, or at least, um, so in the, in the, or get a snarky reply, uh, because people already know my personality and know that I'm not going to be offended, I think. Uh, but, um, I think partly it's because, uh, I was just thinking about that. I, is being able to write a good defect report. So you said like an, a minimally, a minimal reproducible uh, code to, to reproduce the defect. And you can, if you can write that as a test, it's great. One of the things, and that like instantly somebody can work on that project. Like if you write an X failing, X failing test as part of a defect report, that would be cool because, um, because the person that wants to fix it doesn't have to go out and write a test or figure out how to, they can just run your test and then they see the failure and voila, you can start working on it. That would be cool. But the same sort of thing is like, what is that minimally reproducible uh, process? And that's being able to come up with a small example because people usually don't run into the problem because they have a small example. They have like a big thing that they're working on and they run into a problem and then to take that extra time and do a and and uh, try to boil it down into a small example of how this fails, um, it's it's very uh, welcoming, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, Matt Rockland has a, a really good uh, blog post on this called "Craft Minimal Bug Reports," and I actually linked to it from my "How and Why I Use PyTest XFail." Uh, blog post and he you know it's basically the same thing as uh stack overflow says as well right which is that like um the the more work you can do to uh for a to make it easy for a maintainer to just reproduce your problem see exactly what the problem is and then you know get as close as close as possible to the source of the problem uh the be the better right so yeah in some cases like uh, you know, I, I know that there have been a couple bugs in pandas where I actually cloned pandas and, you know, like I had a, a minimal reproducer and I also knew it was a regression because I, I knew that something used to work and I would actually, I actually cloned pandas and then I did a git bisect where I found the exact commit where the problem broke. Uh, and then I, you know, at that point, 
the question was like, do I make a pull request to fix it? Or do I make an issue? You know, if it's something very simple, you can make a pull request. Uh, but I think at that point I was like, well, this is in some part of the code base that I've never touched before. And I don't know what trade-offs need to be made. So I just wrote a, uh, you know, wrote up an issue that's like, here's a minimal reproducer. Here's the commit that it broke on. Um, <laughs> and, you know, here is what I think you should do. You know, and I think maintainers, you know, that's a lot of effort to go th- to go through. But I think the key is that maintainers will see what effort you put in and you should sort yeah. of put in as much effort as you feel comfortable putting in, um, you know, without having to, you know, and just try and estimate where the trade-off is between like, all right, I don't know this, like someone who knows this library really well will be able to do the next part of fixing the bug in 10 minutes, even though that would, and it would take me two hours. So maybe that's the point where you hand it off as an issue, right? Whereas if it's like anyone can do this or spend 30 seconds doing it or spend five minutes, you know, maybe I'll spend 10 minutes or, or maybe you say, all right, I really want this bug to be fixed. Uh, so I'll spend an extra 20 minutes writing a really nice bug report um, when I know that the 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 maintainer could spend five minutes, uh, you know, could spend five minutes uh, finding out the yeah. same exact information. Um, and you, you can also keep in mind that there's a multiplier there, right? Because there's probably 20, 20 users who who can write bug reports for every at you know at least 20 users who are writing bug reports for every one maintainer for some of these uh you know for some of these projects right and like you said there's these a lot of times it's volunteer i mean it's volunteer time uh so and people have kids and lives and jobs so if you can make it to the point where i mean especially if it's important for you to get it fixed if it's stopping your progress on something and it's a, a problem uh, you kind of want to get it fixed, right? So um, if you can make it so that the maintainer can look at it and go, oh, I know where I, ex- I know exactly where this is or um, oops, I forgot something. I intended to do something different or whatever. It, if it can boil it down to just an hour or so of work on their part, it's or less, it's a, it's a great benefit. You'll probably get it fixed really quick. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think my hope is that uh, the way, the way I've got this blog post, uh, structured, it's aimed at both people who want to make these sorts of bug reports and people who want to accept PRs that have XFail. I mean, I guess it's mainly more like why you as a maintainer of a code base should want XFailing tests in your code base. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be useful on on both sides, right? Because if you're a maintainer and you're convinced of this, you can say to people who come to your library with bug reports, "Hey, do you want to make a PR? You can get a commit with your with your name on it, um, with uh, making this X failing test." Um, and if you are the kind of person who's writing these tests, you know, I I suspect that on average, if you make a a, a if you start with a PR instead of a bug report or something. If you if you make a PR that has an X failing test in it, um, most people are going to be like, "What is this? Why are you adding broken tests to my test suite?" Of course, I'm not going to merge this. Okay, so so a better thing would be start with a start with a defect, offer to make a, a test, uh, maybe possibly in that defect report or at least in the conversation. If somebody admits that, yeah, that probably shouldn't happen. Um, when should you when should, when should you propose doing a x failing test? I mean, 
if it's easy enough, you really can just open a pull request with the X failing test and be like, oh, you don't have to merge this, but I just thought I would use it as a, as a demonstration so that you can, you know, look at it on CI or whatever. So you're going to link this too. You're going to link the uh, defect report and the, and the pull request together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you can, you can make it right away or you can say, or you can just start with like, you know, just put it, put the X failing test in the issue. Uh, particularly if you, if you don't, care about seeing it run on CI right away. And then you say, would you like me to add this to the test suite? Like, I'm happy to do that. Um, you know, and then you can also link to my blog post and say like, Pulses to do this. <laughs> yeah. Or, or just, you know, I'm convinced by, by what's in here. And, you know, honestly, that's half the reason I blog for, for these things is that I end up spending a lot of time explaining to people, oh, you shouldn't be, uh, invoking setup.py directly or uh, subtests are a good thing or um, this is how date time arithmetic works right and after you if you after you explain the same thing two times three times four times uh, you start kind of wanting a canonical document where you can be like here's something that will take you 15 minutes to read and it's the general uh, argument for it well I I appreciate this because uh, I talk about it but it it seems it seems a little weird for me at work to say you should go read my blog post about why we should do this. So, but I have no problem with linking to yours, even at work, and saying, "Oh, this is why we're exfailing things." Go read Paul Paul's blog post. So it's good. Yeah. So thank you. Well, I mean, I I also don't want to. I, I I always shrink people people like to to be like, "Oh, you're you're a." Setup tools maintainer or or a CPython core dev, and uh, you know, so we should listen to you. And and I want to say, like, look, I'm I'm just like a guy, and uh, that's one reason why I write these sorts of blog posts because I try and put my reasoning there so that independent yeah. of whether or not uh, I am any sort of authority. I mean, you you can certainly use it as a heuristic as to whether or not to spend ten or fifteen minutes reading my blog post, but you should also evaluate for yourself, you know, like this is just something I was convinced of and yeah. I want to lay out the argument in such a way that people understand it. They have it framed well, and then they can make a decision, right? They can say, well, we don't really want to put a hundred X failing tests in our test suite every single time. Like, you know, uh, we don't want to spend the CI resources on it or whatever. And that, that's a choice that you can make. Um, and then other people will say, oh, this would actually be very useful and it'll be a great way to engage our, um, our contributors. And I think both of these outcomes are fine as, as long as, uh, you know, um, you know, as long as you, uh, have made them, you've, right. you've been exposed to all the best arguments. It also doesn't have to be a large thing. So we, we've talked about it for a long time, but I w one of the projects I'm working on, uh, is uh, we're using X fail. We're using it with, uh, I've talked about before using uh, using with strict equals true, uh, so that so that we know when when things start passing, and with um, uh, and then at, at times when we're close to close to releasing, uh, we just turn off all X fails. But the it's it's a small number. At, at the I think one of the projects I've uh, I'm on, there's currently three tests that are X failing. Out of thousands, we've got thousands of test cases. There's three that we're watching, um, and it, that's really what it is. It's these are these are ones that we're watching. We're watching to see um, if they're fixed, and we want to get them fixed quickly. If if it's something that we're not planning on fixing because we've just made a decision, 
that we're changing the it's not important because of uh, financial reasons. It's uh, it's too much of a corner case. Then we'll probably modify the test suite to to define the behavior different. And we just know that this this behaves this way now. Um, there's uh, I don't I haven't you I <laughs> I don't know if I'd be comfortable with it with a code base with hundreds of X fails. Um, but like I don't know. Have you been on? Have you used? Uh, projects with like lots of x fails uh i'm not sure i mean i think anything that's going to accumulate that many x fails is probably going to be distributed enough that it's uh you know that right so the the place where i could imagine seeing hundreds of x fails right is in like the c python standard library or even like pandas or numpy or something where you know you get these bugs uh, and you have multiple maintainers who are all responsible for their own uh, various individual uh, areas, and there's not necessarily continuity of maintainership. Um, and so, it, it you know, there there are C Python bugs that I've seen fixed. Uh, a lot of them, they get reported and then they get fixed six, eight, ten years later. Um, and yeah, having X fails for all those bugs um, would probably spend a lot of time. Um, carrying around corner you know you know you know carrying around ci resources spent on something that is just really not going to accidentally fix itself um but i've also seen plenty of times where it's like hey uh, i think we actually fixed this when we switched from python 2.7 to python 3 um you know or like this turned out you know we just looked in you know we 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 saw that this was a bug we didn't investigate what the cause was turns out the cause was something in a dependency and then the dependency got fixed um you know, so oh, yeah. these sorts of things, uh, you can actually it, end up spending a bunch of time when you go to investigate the bug to f- only to find out that it, w- you know, it's not reproducible anymore. Um, yeah. Also, large projects like C Python, for instance, or other uh, pandas, or um, like you said, there's a lot of maintainers, but a lot there are some of them that might be able to, that might be willing to touch any part of the code, but like for instance, uh. You you said on CPython, you kind of focus on like date util, um, date and or date time, yeah. So uh, the uh, and that's true for a lot of projects where the 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 area of focus where somebody's looking at is a, is a narrow focused area. So they're going to keep track of the kind of bugs that are in their area, however they want to. So they're kind of like little projects within big projects. Yeah, and I, you know, I've seen in C Python a situation recently where um, something in the test suite itself um, of date time. Uh, I think there was something in import lib where, uh, well, not import lib in 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 the test support for importing uh, modules. It, it comes up when you have a, a C module and a pure Python module. Sometimes you you'll want to use one or the other, and uh, you have to like mess around with the state of um you know like the 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 global state that keeps track of of which modules are imported like you have to delete certain modules and then try and clean up after them um and there was some issue with how certain modules were getting frozen or how they were getting um deleted and re-added in um and it, it came up in a in a couple of different it, it had multiple manifestations throughout the code base um and uh 
and then someone fixed it and then they went through and then I was like, well, I, I think, I think this also closes this other issue. Um, but it, you know, if I had had X failing tests that are like, this is supposed to be working, but it's not, um, that person would have immediately, you know, when they went to go fix their own issue, they would have been like, oh, this actually closes this other issue as well. And then they would close both issues, remove the X failing test and it turns into a regression test. And I'm not going to see that regression. That's nice. Actually, so, okay, so I take that back. Um, put in X-Fails as much as you can, because <laughs> it would be nice. Yeah, I mean, but, the, the the main question is resources, right? Like, if these tests yeah. are, are very resource intensive, or they're a substantial portion of your, of your, um, of your test suite, and the, the, and the test suite is, um, you know, is taking up a lot of CI time, then you may want to make some decisions. Yeah. I suspect that you will not get to that point, right? I, I suspect right. that even someone who wholeheartedly adopts this me- method is not going to see more than five or 10% of their test suite being used on Xfails. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's up to you. It's a, but one of the things that Xfails do is they make you think about your test suite more because it's a dynamic living thing. It's not a static thing that you write a test and forget about it. Um, and it also you have to talk about it more. People have to understand the test suite and talk about it more, which is a good thing. So, um, so that's good. Um, I could, uh, I've got tons of questions for you, so I hope you willing to come back. You are going to write about the workflow. So we definitely need to talk about that sometime. Um, and I'd also like to talk to, at some point about your experience was as a, uh, core contributor to, to CPython. Cause that sounds interesting. Um, but thanks so much, Paul, for coming on the show today and talking about this. Oh yeah, no problem. I I I definitely uh, I definitely enjoyed it, and yeah, I know I know I have uh, I think I have a couple more uh, Xfail blog posts coming out in the near future, and I'm always happy to to talk about that kind of thing. Talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you, Paul. Always fun to talk testing with you. Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring this episode. Visit testandcode.com slash PyCharm for a four-month free trial of PyCharm Pro. Save time, use PyCharm. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Join them at testandcode.com slash support. Seriously, both longtime supporters and new supporters through Patreon help to let me know that this podcast is worth continuing, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. All of those links, including links to Paul's blog post and previous episodes covering XFail, are in the show notes that can be found at testandcode.com. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. And if it fails, consider using XFail.